Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give, and there's no regular commitment. Just click the link in the show description to support now. Welcome to the Chronicles of Nanny, uh, a nanny resource podcast made for nannies by me, a nanny. This is your host, Martha Tyler. And this week, we are talking about neurodiverse nannies. And I'm so excited to talk about this topic. And to do so, I have brought on Reagan Fulton of Playful Acre fame. Hello, Reagan. Hello. How are you? I'm doing well. So glad to be talking with you. How are you? I know. I am good. Yes. I'm excited to talk about this. Me too. Um, We were chatting a little bit before we hit record and we were saying like that there's just not much out there about this, even like teaching. Like I know sometimes we don't have stuff and like stuff hasn't been researched on nannies because we're seen as this like side thing, but Right. Which is, yeah, a lot of times there's adaptable research, at least, where you can look at teachers or educators um, or domestic workers in general. There's some stuff that'll be like about all. But yeah, I, when I was looking for specific research, I, I wasn't even, I wasn't finding anything. So it was really interesting. Yeah. But before we talk about that, I would love to hear your nanny journey. I know you've been on the show before. So listeners, if you have not listened to that episode, go back and listen to it. But let's hear your nanny journey. Yes, I will give a much more condensed version this time because I know I know it was a little long um, on the last episode. So if you want the full if you want the full nanny journey, make sure you go listen there. Mm-hmm. Um, so the condensed version, how I got here. Um, I have been in child care pretty much since I was a child myself. Um, I babysat all throughout um, high school. And then when I was um, 18, I was already basically a nanny. So that's like I start my nanny experience because I was um, full time working for different families, um, running the kids around, doing all the things. Um, and so I worked as a nanny, took a couple years off to do some retail management, um, get married, but then ended up back in the nanny field and, um, was a nanny when my son was born in 2017. And then in 2021, in the fall, I pivoted to opening an in-home daycare. So I used all of the skills that I used as a nanny, um, And really just the absolute lessons I learned from my mom bosses, from my kids, and um, turned them into this business I have now, which is a nature preschool um, out of my own home. And I also use my platform online and my blog to um, share the joy of nature play and um, help inspire other parents and caregivers to um, bring nature back into play. And then I also um, love to coach nannies and to really just help encourage them um, 
on their career journey, whether it be figuring out their next step um, or, you know, revamping their resume, going into what kind of professional development they want. Um, and that's really how, you know, even though I'm not a nanny anymore, I um, love to stay connected to the nanny community because my heart really um, is there for nannies and I love everything about nannies um, and nannying and it built me into who I am and you know, I wouldn't have this amazing, you know, company that I'm building without being a nanny. So um, that is how I love to pour back into the nanny community. So there is uh, the condensed version. <laughs> yes. And if you are not following Playful Acre, um, I mean, across social media, but especially on Instagram, that's kind of your home base, right? Yes, definitely. If you're not following, please start like, and you're welcome because there's so many good resources on there and so many good ideas. And I think I told this story, honestly, sometimes, you know, I record so often (laughs) that I'm like, what have I told and what haven't I, but, um, I think I told this story, but I just wanted to tell you like, while we're recording about I, my nanny kid a couple weeks ago, you know, it was like, we had been in the cold for a really long time and, uh, you know, we'd been getting outside, but not as much because it's cold and whatnot. And so he was just having a real hard time. He was just Mm -hmm. really struggling. And I like, messaged his mom and I was like are you okay if I leave the baby sleeping like I gotta get this kid outside and she was like yes please (laughs) and right I took him to the park and he like started by smashing ice that was like the first thing he did was like jumping on breaking the ice like smashing that is the best winter right (laughs) right yes it was it was so fun I did it with him and then he went on the swing and just like laid on his belly and twisted for like 20 minutes. And then Mm -hmm. he climbed up high. And when we left the park, he was a completely different kid. Absolutely. The spinning, I would say the smashing ice, like just all of those things, because, you know, the sensory input, the smashing ice release of emotions. And then uh, Rowan, my, my four-year-old son is the same with spinning, like spinning for, 20 minutes completely changes him into yeah. a different kid. He loves to spin. Um, so I, I, I completely see that. And I love that. Yes. You messaged me that story and it just, <laughs> it, it brought so much joy to my heart. Cause I was just like, yep, that's it. That's it. Just that, you know, 30, 40 minutes outside, completely different kid because, you know, all of the things, the sensory, the, just the fresh air. So yes, yeah. story made me so happy. <laughs> Yeah. Well, all right. Let's talk about this. Um, So yeah, when we're talking about neurodiversity, that term has now come to encompass a lot of different ways of moving through the world. Um, And I will say, so I'm currently in school to become a family counselor. So I have to interact with the DSM-5 the diagnostic. (laughs) I've got it right over there. I can see it. Ew. Um, the diagnostic and statistical manual of mental disorders. And in almost all of my classes, there's some that don't do this and I don't like these professors, but in almost all of my classes, we talk about how the DSM five was written by 
um, and really for white, cis, straight men. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> and so as we are having this conversation, I just want to love that you're having there. that conversation with your professors <laughs> that they're talking about this. And like, I love hearing that because yes, yes, yes. And I will say like, because so the way that it works in the mental health world is that you have to give a diagnosis mm-hmm. to collect from insurance companies. Yep. So like, I actually pay my personal therapist out of my pocket, um, Mm -hmm. because I don't, because he's not in my, uh, insurance, like he's not covered by it. And I just don't want to mess with it. You know, if Mm -hmm. I change insurance or whatever, I don't want to find a new therapist. I love my therapist. So I just pay out of pocket and it's expensive and that sucks. And I'm privileged to be able to do that. Mm -hmm. Um, I'm privileged to have the funds to do that anyway. So I actually did ask him, I was like, what is my diagnosis? (laughs) And he was like, I don't have to give you one. I don't have to give you one. And I haven't because Mm -hmm. I don't submit to insurance. Mm -hmm. And I was like, oh, cool. So I don't have one, but then we did discuss like, what would it be? And for me, it's generalized anxiety. Okay. Which can present a lot like ADHD, which Absolutely. is weird. so that's a that, that's a term I actually recently heard that I love um, because clinical diagnosis can be such a tricky, you know, sometimes it can actually hinder you because of um, you know different stigmas and stuff. Um, and, and it's really expensive a lot of the times too, depending on what kind of diagnosis you're seeking. Um, but a therapist informed diagnosis was the term that I heard that I was like, oh, that's what I want. So I have, I have a, um, I am diagnosed with ADHD, um, but I am self-diagnosed slash pursuing diagnosis of autism. Um, I am pretty sure I'm autistic, um, but I believe that's what I'm going to end up pursuing. Interestingly enough, mostly because, um, the DSM-5 is changing, um, and apparently it's actually going to be more difficult and uh, it all has to do with that. Uh, basically they think that too many people are being diagnosed um, with autism. So basically a lot of people actually that are being diagnosed with autism now are going to start being diagnosed with ADHD, I guess. Yeah. Um, which is interesting, um, which is a whole nother conversation really about just neurodiversity and neurodivergence and how, um, you know, it's a family, how they're different, but it's a family. So, um, I think it's, I think it's very interesting, um, conversation that's happening literally right now. Um, you know, the, when is the DSM, when does the next one come out? I know it's soon, but, um, yeah, I don't, I, I actually, I don't know. That will be interesting. Yeah. I hope that they include, so there are these things at the back called like Z codes, Mm-hmm. And some of those are like more relational. So it can be like attachment um, things. And there is attachment disorder, but it can be like the different, um, the different presentations. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. And yes. so I'm hopeful in the next DSM, the DSM six, I guess. Um, like uh, it's called DSM five slash something or something mm-hmm. like that. Yeah. They're not going all the way to six. I see. Apparently, Yeah. But in the next one, I'm hopeful that maybe some of 
those um, Z codes will actually be in the, the other part because then we can use them, but I don't know if that's going to happen. So that's, so that's the conversation um, that I heard that was, that was the hope. Um, and then I guess it got leaked that basically it's going the opposite way. And basically those Z codes are going to become a different diagnosis rather than being under the autistic diagnosis. All right. Well, mm, yeah, I, I, you saw my face when you said DSM, <laughs> that was it. <laughs> yep. Yep. And even though I do think uh, the people making these decisions, that group is getting more diverse. It's still not, it's still mostly white straight men. Yes, exactly. Um, and even like the, DSM, and the research and the research is done on white straight men. Uh-huh. That's uh-huh. the other thing is, uh-huh. is, is the research is done by and on white straight men. So that's, that's a big, yeah, huge big gap, <laughs> which we are in a, a field. Cause I'm, I'm lumping you in with nannies. Like yes, you're absolutely. an educator, you're a nanny, like you're in here. We are in a field because education too, on the teaching level is also dominated by women. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, that is a conversation I've had it on the podcast before. I will continue to have it. We need to be more inclusive when we talk about nannies and it's not all women by any means, but it is a lot of women. And it, um, and like ADHD and autism in particular are way underdiagnosed. Absolutely. So there are a lot of women (laughs) out there, you know, who have these neurodiversities and have gone through their entire lives without support Mm -hmm. for that. And I was uh, 27 when I was diagnosed with ADHD. I would, yes. Yeah. Yeah. A, a really good friend of mine who's been on the podcast before she's pretty public, but I haven't asked her if I can share this. So I won't say her name, but, um, she, I think she was in her thirties when she got diagnosed and she was like, my goodness. And then once you're diagnosed, then there's like, to medicate, to not medicate. Cause it's like, mm-hmm. if I have been living this long without medication, do mm-hmm. I want to medicate? So that's all yes. hard. And I would say even just knowing though was huge for me, um, in terms of healing a lot of the, you know, I thought that I was broken or I thought that it was, you know, something just weird, you know, these things that I thought were just broken parts of me were really just these differences and there was a reason for them was like giant like for me just in my own headspace to be able to give myself that grace but um you said some you were talking about how when you know women are underdiagnosed um and a lot of the reason that the way the reason that women are underdiagnosed is because you know the traits of autism that present or the way that they're conditioned, girls are conditioned at a young age to be caregivers and to take care of and to be the quiet submissive, you know, they learn from a very young age how to act and what is allowed. Um, and, and a lot of times what is allowed is, is caregiving. And that's something that like, mm-hmm. it's, you know, and also it's the safe place, you know, from 
the bullies or the adults who have expectations of you. Um, and so I think that's how a lot of us kind of fell into childcare from a young age because, you know, as te teens and preteens, we, you know, love to play with and care of give for and love on the little ones. And, you know, I've seen that, you know, even just talking to other nannies a ton. So I think that's an interesting aspect. I do too. I do too. And there is this thing when you are with kids that there isn't the judgment. There isn't the mm -hmm. fit into society because kids for a while get to escape a lot of that pressure. Um, not for as long as I wish, which I wish right. it was their whole lives, but um you know, as a nanny, we can be really silly. We can be really playful in this way that um, we get judged as adults for doing. Um, I, <laughs> I often, now that I'm in mostly only family counseling classes, this is much less true. But when I was in the more like gen ed counseling classes, mm -hmm. I sometimes would make jokes and like, and they just, nobody would get them. And I was like, oh, okay. Okay. Like, and I'm, I am neurodiverse, but not in the same way, but I just, I feel like I often um, communicate in a way that is neurodiverse friendly. Um, yes. And that sometimes doesn't go well with like corporate America or, you know, the mainstream, mm -hmm. whatever. Yes. Cause it's the expectations that you're the, you know, polite, quiet, and especially as a woman, you know, that joke also sometimes may have gone off a lot better than guy said it, you know, mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. but that silliness or that, you know, explosion of emotion is just not what's expected of you. So yeah, um, yeah a lot of times it gets tramped down and that's, um, you know, like you were saying, when you're around the kids, that freedom, that unmasking mm -hmm. um, is a term in the, you know, neurodivergent communities, a lot of that, you know, masking is that covering in the, um, you know, putting the mask on is, is covering those behaviors that you've learned over time um, are, you know, negative by society standards. Right. And that's what I will say. They're not negative, but, um, you know, you've learned or been told by somebody. Um, but yeah, when you're with kids, just having the chance to unmask and really just have fun, um, I think is why, yeah, it's just, you know, it's, it's fun and it's, you're not judged. So, right. um, if anything, you know, it makes you more, you know, cool, it makes you the cool, cool guy. So, um, it really, yeah, it's, it's really just, it brings you joy and, you know, not having to mask all day long. I did, like I, I mentioned before, I did retail for about three years, mm. you know, that was exhausting because yeah. I, I worked in women's fashion retail. Um, you know, yeah. and I was a manager. So not only did I have to, you know, manage and do all that stuff, but I had to be the face for the customers and, and like the emotional drain from that was years, you know, 
was just absolutely just, you know, almost made me a different person. And so getting back, yes, there you go. That's a good way to put it. Um, and getting back into nannying after that, like really helped me to come back in and find myself again. So that was, um, but yeah, that investment is really beautiful. Yeah. And I do think that this is a big simplification. I will say that, but I do think that sometimes if you are neurodivergent or not is judged on how well you can conform to our culture, which at its base is judged by how well can you pretend to be a white cis straight man? Exactly. Um, and I think it, I forget what you said that made me think it, but I went and I, I, I was pulling up the DSM, the five, the criteria for ADHD, because when um, I was going through diagnosis, I found this really interesting. All of the, all of the um, criteria, it comes down to inappropriate for your developmental level. Uh. Um, inappropriate for age or any, you know, and it's all, here we go. And is, you know, it is the hyperactivity or impulsivity that have been present for at least six months to an extent that is disruptive and inappropriate for the person's developmental level. Mm-hmm. And I, I think about that and like, so the developmental level is based on white straight men, you know, like, yeah. so what, yeah. what is the developmental level based on, um, and in, even within that group, even neurotypical, you know, right. Neurotypical white street men. So it's like, um, you know, all of these things, a behavior, a, um, it's about the, the expectation that society has on you, not anything about how you are developing. Mm-hmm. you know, not about moving forward. Um, I don't even know how to put it into, into words, but, um, it's like, how are you being judged? You are being judged by walking the exact same path. Yes. As other folks. And it's like, well, I might be super far developmentally in this area, Yeah. And technically behind in this area, but it's like, for me, that's right on track. Yes. And, and you, and then you spend so much energy catching up in the other areas and Mm -hmm. neglecting the parts of you that spark joy and spark, you know, passion and purpose. And that's how we get, you know, 30 year old women who are burnt out and figuring out that they're ADHD because they're exhausted from years of, you know, faking it to, um, you know, conform to this behavior that is expected of us. Um, and it's this, it's the standard that really was created and it's the standard of schools. It's, you know, to behave in school and our school system, it all comes back to, you know, creating factory workers and, you know, that expectation of pumping out the, the behaviors and what I hope that we get back to. And I hope that we can, you know, the reason that we need to 
um, recognize neurodivergence and create a more inclusive world is because there is jobs for everybody. There is, if we can stop smashing these kids down and making them and killing their spirits, the creativity and the passion and the innovation that comes, like Albert Einstein was neurodivergent. Yep. Um, and Nikola Tesla, like all of like so many scientists and great thinkers of the world and our history have, you know, are clearly, if not that it's documented that they were, you can look at their writings, you can look right. at them as people and like, duh. Um, and it's just, but now we want to st- stamp that out and we want to call it a bad thing. And we want to turn those people into, you know, and, you know, I, medication, I'm all for medication. If you need it, I have medication of my own for, yep. you know, but the over medication and the, you know, the reason to medicate children to make them only be better at school. Right. It's just medication, medicating for compliance. Yes. Is versus wrong. happiness. Yes. yes. <laughs> versus, versus health. And for, you know, for me, it's, I can't even go through a happy day and doing the things I love without being completely exhausted by 7 PM without medication. Like that's, that's how I um, got there, but you know, that we're going to put them so they'll sit still in a room for eight hours a day mm-hmm. mm-hmm. um, is just so sad. And, and I, what I love about nannies and, you know, being able to, you know, when I, as a nanny, as a caregiver, being able to just play and being able to not be sitting there for so long. is just, I don't know. It's, it does more, more, good than medication does for even the kids that I've seen that are on medication, you know, yep. that it's positive for. So. Absolutely. Um, that brought what you just said, brought to my mind, a couple of media resources for anyone who's listening. That's like, this is a really interesting conversation. And I would like to hear more about it. Um, one is Hannah Gadsby's uh, Douglas, her second special, which if you have not seen Nanette, go watch Nanette because that's wonderful in a different way. But in Douglas, she talks, it's a lot about the fact that she is autistic. Um, mm-hmm. And she talks a lot about how, like evolutionarily speaking, those who think differently, whose brains work differently, actually really helped the pack of humans. Hunter gatherers. um, Yes. They were the ones up tending the fire at night. Yes. That's where, that's where my thought was going to. I love that you connected it. (laughs) Yep. Yep. And so like, she just has this really lovely uh, take on it and it's hilarious. And cause it's a, a standup routine. Um, and so I've seen clips of it. I haven't seen the whole thing, but that's why I, I pulled yeah. up the icon. And she's hilarious. Yeah, it's it's worth watching. The other thing that it brought up for me is a book called The Element by Sir Ken Robinson. Um, and he is the same person that he has a wonderful TED talk about 
how our school systems are made to make factory workers, how they were created in the industrial revolution. And it's like in third grade, you get this piece put on and in fourth grade, you get this piece put on and how they are creating factory workers. He has that wonderful talk in the element. He talks about how education should actually be about helping each child find what lights them up and not, and not, you know, like, how do you conform to fit the education system? And he gives these really lovely examples, one of which, and it has been, I don't know, 15 years since I've read this book. So forgive me if I'm a little off, but in one of them, he talks about um, this girl who kept getting in trouble. And one day the principal called her mom in and was like, they were talking about how she kept getting in trouble in class and was not doing super well. And then the principal was like, hey, do you think you can sit in here? I need to talk to your mom out in the hallway. And as they left, the principal turned on the radio and the mom and the principal stood outside and he was like, I just want you to watch your daughter. And she started dancing. And he, the principal was like, your daughter is not a bad kid. She's just a dancer. Mm-hmm. And like school isn't about that right now. And that stinks. And I, she went on to become a really famous dancer and I'm forgetting who it was, but somebody famous and dancing. <laughs> and I just think that one of the beautiful things about nannying is that that's what we get to do, right? Is like help kids find their element because Mm -hmm. we only have the one or, you know, one to five kids. My goodness, if you are a nanny with five children, God bless. Like that is, (laughs) that that was me before I quit. Yeah, 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 yeah. (laughs) (laughs) And I mean, you're now you're a teacher with multiple kids. So Mm -hmm. I, yeah. God bless. But, (laughs) um, but yes, we can, but even in playful acre, like that's part of what you're doing is like seeing each individual kid and tailoring it to what they want to learn about Mm -hmm. how they want to encounter the world. Yeah. And a lot of unstructured play and Mm -hmm. just exploration and just, you know, the really, the really, the biggest thing that I um, want kids to walk away with is to love to learn, mm. I, you know, to, to figure out and to learn how to learn, to, um, you know, ask questions and figure out how to ask questions that will lead you to answers. Um, you know, that is the thing that I want to teach. So, you know, it's not teaching all of the colors, all of the, the letters, all of the numbers even, but, um, you know, figuring out the, that it's exciting to learn letters. And so that they figure out how to do them by themselves. Um, that's actually, that's, that's where I am with Rowan right now. Um, we don't do any, any, you know, regular preschool work or anything, but he's, he's, he's going to teach himself to read. Um, yeah. he's getting there. He knows all his letters. He can write half of them. 
um, and he knows all the sounds. Um, so, yeah. and it's just because he loves it and he, mm-hmm. and he just, he loves to read and he loves to, um, you know, learn new things. He gets really excited when he goes, oh, m- m- mommy, M for mommy. <gasps> and he gets really excited. And yes. it's just, you know, it's that love of learning. So um, Jillian Lynn, by the way, is the dancer. Thank um, you. Anybody's, yes. <laughs> I still don't know who that is, but dance is not my. <laughs> me, me, but I, yeah. <laughs> thank you so much because I bet there were listeners who were yelling at maybe um, <laughs> who knew the answer. Um, or if you didn't, you know who that is. And now that's wonderful. Do. Now you do. Um, thank you, Reagan. Yes, but I totally agree with that of like, yes, when we want to learn and we can create this environment of like learning without shame. Yes. Which is so needed. Yes. And I do want to make a caveat really quickly that we are in no way down on teachers at all. They're down on the system. And I think if you're a teacher, you absolutely understand. Yes, we are. We are on your team and uh, (laughs) behind you in the battles you are fighting. Yes. Uh, Yes. Um, And my heart goes out to teachers right now. Um, Yes, absolutely. I just, I wanted to make that very clear that I think that anyone who is in a classroom right now, I, I just, I'm sending you so much love and support. Um, And you know, the system needs to be different. So, um, but I do think that that is such a lovely part of nannying and perhaps why a lot of neurodiverse folks are attracted to nannying Mm -hmm. because we don't have to go by this system. We don't have to be as much in the system that has been really harmful in a lot of ways. Um, Cause I was a teacher in a classroom and I, I, I could do it with the kids, but I could not do it in all the ways that the system is broken. I was just the like standards. Yes. I was like, wait, I'm not allowed to like teach the thing that I'm supposed to teach because I taught English and like at the time there was something on like um, a modest proposal, uh, Colbert, Stephen Colbert had done like a perfect satire of it. And but I was like, but that's controversial. Yes, but that's controversial. And I was teaching in Tennessee. So I, oh, whatever. yeah. yeah. But I showed it anyway. And I was just like, oh, no, I'm an intern. I didn't know I was supposed to fill out a form before showing a video. Um, <laughs> oh, that's amazing. Yeah, because I was like this. He's talking exactly about the thing that Jonathan Swift was talking about. I just got fed up with it. And that is why I love nannying is because we can like tailor our day to the kids that are in front of us. Mm-hmm. That's why I was like, I, I did do a short daycare stint and I thought, and I did, I was doing ECE. I, I have ECE credits. Um, mm-hmm. I didn't finish my degree because I realized that I couldn't work in a classroom and that's not what I wanted to do. 
Um, and that's where I kind of headed straight into nannying. So I 100% I, I agree because, you know, not only the, you know, standards in the system, but then just, yeah, the flexibility of every day is different as a nanny too. It's always mm-hmm. something new and exciting um, is just really, really um, unique. I wanted to also add one more media or yes. I forget one more media, another TED talk. I think it's a TED talk. 95% sure it was a TED talk, but Temple Grandin gave mm. a TED talk on the education system. Um, and I, I'll find the link and I'll send it to Martha to put in the show notes for you guys. Yes. Um, but go, go do that. Cause um, if you don't know who Temple Grandin is, she is an autistic scientist. Um, she is like created amazing um, farming and agriculture equipment that has been like super helpful, but she's also an advocate for um, autistic youth and adults. And she is just um, amazing to um, listen to and to learn from. So she has, she's like written children's books and um, there's one called The Hugging Machine that's just Mm. beautiful. But anyway, she has a TED talk and talks about, you know, the education system and her experience and, you know, how, if we can get these kids and figure out what makes them tick exactly, you know, that, that we can just the innovation and the, and not even the innovation in terms of, you know, the, you know, because there's a very fine line of weaponizing neurodivergence Mm -hmm. too. And, um, you know, making sure that it's not, oh, well, we should send them to trade school so that way that, you know, they can be good with their hands and make more money. Right. But really leaning into the, what makes you tick so that way you can live to your purpose and, you know, sustain yourself in whatever way that is. But uh, yes, that is another TED talk that you should definitely go check out if this, if you've made it this far into this rambling conversation that we're having, then, um, <laughs> then you will enjoy the TED talk. That's what we'll say. <laughs> yes. Yes. Uh, I actually need to watch that. That sounds great. I feel like maybe I've seen bits of it, but I know I have not watched the whole thing. Um, so yeah, thank you. And yeah, I, I also think there's this element of, nannies who are neurodivergent being drawn to nannying because they can be the caregiver they wish they had. Yes. Growing up mm-hmm. because I mean, I know I don't have to tell you, but it can feel really lonely mm-hmm. and a childhood full of shame for something that you have no control over is really, really hard. Mm -hmm. And And I think, yeah, go ahead. That whether, yeah, whether the kid knows or not, or um, say how I, how I was diagnosed is because my nanny kit was going through the process. Um, And I started looking into it and, you know, to this day, um, you know, we could, when we have conversations, sometimes it'll be, oh yeah, that was hard because you you know, your motor was going too fast. You're like, I can relate to him in a different way mm-hmm. um, that his parents can't because they don't, you know, have the same 
um, you know, neurodivergence, they don't have the same brain differences. And so, yeah, like you said, um, having the caregiver that you needed and, you know, for me at Playful Acre and what I try to encourage too is, is, you know, having that safe place for all kids, no matter what their diagnosis is too. And just being able to have, um, you know, one place, one adult, one safe adult, you know, who gets it Mm -hmm. and who, um, who they can unmask with and truly be themselves with, I think is, um, something that is really invaluable, but also, you know, like you're saying is, you know, almost healing for you too, as the adult, as the, um, caregiver to be able to, um, you know, heal that part of yourself almost a little bit that has, um, you know, been, been wounded and then being able to turn around and use that for good is definitely something that, um, I've found, and I know I've talked to other nannies too. Mm -hmm. Um, I found, you know, similar experiences. So I agree. Yeah. Yeah. And just, yeah, I think of, you know, how playful we get to be and how silly and, you know, like the other day, one of my nanny kids was telling me jokes. Um, As Rowan's gotten really into jokes. Lately, so. <laughs> yeah. But he was reading them from a book, like a knock, knock joke book. And there was one, and I can't remember. Oh, it was like, knock, knock. Who's there? broken pencil, broken pencil, who, oh, what's the point or something like that. Like, I can't remember, but the end was like a switch up, which is comedy gold. And, um, and it delighted me. And then because it delighted me like that, then infected him with like, and then we just giggled about it for, you know, Mm -hmm. a long time. And, and then he was like, wait, why was that funny? (laughs) That's the best comedy, but you know, like I just, I do think that nannying is such a good career for neurodivergent folks Mm because you do, like we've been saying this whole time, you get to unmask, you get to stick with a lot of times, you get to stick with your safe foods because a lot of times the safe foods are the same ones that kids eat. Yeah. And so it's like, yeah, we're having peanut butter and jelly for the 17th day in a row. What? Yep, absolutely. Peanut butter and jelly, bagels and cereal are uh, staples here in my house. So, <laughs> yes. Um, yeah. I'm curious, are there other like aspects that you have found? Um, I mean, you know, I, I think I said something about it, but like, that everything, every day, something is new. Mm -hmm. Um, and really the idea that you, you know, nannying is basically all learning and creating new things all the time. Um, and that's the thing that, you know, especially with ADHD, um, but a lot of neurodivergence that, you know, learning new things or diving deep into a subject is something Mm -hmm. that, um, is really just, you know, 
brings all the serotonin, all the dopamine, you know, all the happy chemicals and all of the, um, you know, so when, you know, I find out that one of my students loves volcanoes, mm-hmm. guess what? We can learn about volcanoes and I love it. And it's, you know, it brings me joy. Um, and then, you know, even now I've found the other joy of turning around and then passing that information on to others and, you know, helping them be able to share it with their kids, but it's just always learning something new. Um, and so I think that there's, yeah, I, I don't think there's a better career, you know, there are two sides to, um, you know, I think neurodivergence that you can thrive in either complete structure. Mm -hmm. Um, I do think that like, you know, over repetitive tasks or something new all the time, you know, and something new to learn, but that autonomy within it is, I think also the bigger thing that, you know, that I can learn something new with the kids, but without the rules of, you need to learn it for this reason, Mm -hmm. um, is, is something that's really great. But yeah, I do with that, like structure versus like new and different every day. I was just thinking about how, like, I am a person and it's because of my generalized anxiety. I sincerely believe that like listening to the same song over and over and over again has never bothered me. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't mind it. <laughs> um, if it's a song that I enjoy once, I really don't mm-hmm. run out of steam. You know, if it's a song that annoyed me from the beginning, then I don't want to hear it over right. and over. But if I can hear it a hundred times, I can hear it a thousand times. Like that's fine. Um, or if I can hear it 10 times, I can hear it a thousand times. And like watching the same movie over and over again, doesn't bother me reading the same book over and over again, doesn't bother me. Um, and I, I know a lot of adults, you know, I've heard over the years, parents make comments like, Oh my gosh, like how many more times do we have to listen to this or whatever? And I'm like, Oh yeah, I guess, I guess, but it's almost a comfort. The, yes. The, the familiarity of it. It's a comfort. It's a routine. It's something, you know, and it's yeah. Yeah, definitely. And I am also a person who very much likes, um, background noise in my day. Mm-hmm. Um, like I almost always have a podcast in my ear or music on sometimes music on and a podcast. Like I like a lot of noise, like auditory sensory input is big Mm -hmm. for me and it helps me feel very calm to have that. Um, and so I also think that nannying is really lovely in that way of like, I can have music on in the background. I can like, as I'm pushing the kid in the stroller, you know, be listening to a podcast or while they're engaging in play, be listening to a podcast. Like that's fine. I'll say that. And also um, here's one other um, topic that I did. This is the topic I want to talk on. Yay. We got there. uh, Right. Um, It can also be a really hard part about being a nanny or caregiver with mm. neurodivergence because 
it's also, um, you know, unpredictability and, mm-hmm. and the noise too, sometimes, um, you know, especially if you're having a rough day, if there's lots of screaming or that, you know, there is that one song that they love that you just really has that one note that hits your soul in the wrong way. Um, but they can be triggering too. Um, mm-hmm. It can be. And so I think that recognizing those things and recognizing those sounds really um for me it's been something that I'm working on a lot right now um is really helpful and so one I highly suggest everybody um if you are a neurodivergent nanny get a pair of active noise canceling headphones Mm -hmm. um where you can still hear everything but it's um it's less yes it's not, I do, I do want those ones that are just, um, what are they called? Loops. Loop. I want, I want to try the loops. I don't have those, but I want to try those that just kind of definite, but, you know, recognizing what your triggers are and then doing it, um, you know, something to mitigate that is something that I think is important. And, you know, you deserve, like, there's nothing wrong with having a podcast in your ear or, you know, having that, as long as it's safe, you know, if you, you know, you think about the safe environment, having that active, you know, you don't put headphones in where you can't hear your kids, obviously. Right. Um, but really just giving yourself the accommodations um, that you deserve and that you need to thrive, um, I think is something that, don't forget that. <laughs> that's, that's my, that's my, uh, my call to action for all of the neurodivergent nannies listening is, is don't, don't be afraid to, um, you know, listen to what your sensory needs are. And just like you do for your nanny kids, um, just like you make sure that the environment is, you know, what they need to thrive, make it what you need to, um, because then everybody will thrive together. Yes. That, uh, that's so well said. And yeah, like <laughs> I, I had a nanny reach out to me a few years ago and I didn't know about the loops, but, um, she was really struggling because her nanny kid would scream loudly in her face. And she was like, I love my nanny kid so much. And (laughs) I really struggle. Like I get flooded. I am unable to do my job as well as I want. And she's there is like a in certain that, tone Rowan makes a certain yeah. screech when he is in a certain mood that causes me physical pain. Yes. Yes. And, and it's one of his happy noises, right? There is a happy noise. Yes. That he makes yeah. occasionally that will, um, that just hurts me. But then yes, there's also a like, <laughs> unhappy noise, noise. <laughs> yeah. but yes, yeah. no, there's happy noises that, that, that like, and I don't know why, but it just, it hurts. Yeah. Um, and so it's, yeah, sometimes it's uh, putting my headphones on and sitting there and watching him play and being able to enjoy his joy without hearing it um, is big, but yeah, sorry. <laughs> no, yeah. Sorry. Yeah. And I, like at the time I recommended that she try, you know, like earbuds with like low level music on. Cause it, this was, I don't know, almost five years ago now. And so like, I feel like the technology is advanced or my knowledge of the technology is advanced. It was way more expensive, at least back <laughs> yeah. then. Yeah. So, um, you know, that's what I recommended to her at the time. And it did help. 
Um, but then she was really worried about like, what will my nanny bosses think about me like wearing headphones on the job? And I do want to say if there are um, employers of nannies listening, like it is not to give less care to your child. It is to give better care to your child. Um, the nanny meeting their own needs to give better care to your child. And especially for um, a neurodiverse, I know, you know, for me, having, you know, a podcast in my headphone helps me watch my, you know, have more focus on my kids. Because when I don't have that external stimulation, my mind wanders more. My mind is thinking, I, my head is in the clouds, and then I'm not focusing. But if I've got that stimulation, then, um, you know, that other part of my brain is focused on what the kids are doing and making sure they're safe. So um, while it may not make sense for you, Mm -hmm. um, it's, they're not making it up, I promise. (laughs) Yes, yes. And um, yeah, and I do really encourage, yeah, like you said, every nanny to advocate for their own needs out there. Um, And I do hope that nanny families can also help with that. I also, and and this is not really the subject of this podcast, but, you know, working for neurodivergent parents can also Mm -hmm. be really interesting. Um, And often um, if the neurodivergency is linked to genetics, then, you know, you're getting it probably intergenerational as well. Um, and that can be tough, but also really wonderful, (laughs) you know, if it's a neurotypical nanny taking care of a neurodiverse family, Mm -hmm. giving them that support that they might, yeah, not else have in the house. Yeah. Like my family is all neurodiverse and I definitely know that, uh, some days we could use a, uh, neurotypical help to come and get some stuff in order for us. I'll say that. Um, but yes. And, but also having that compassion too, and making sure if you are that neurotypical nanny caring for, you know, a neurodiverse family, really making sure that you, you know, have compassion and have um, empathy and understanding for, you know, that it's not the deficits, but the differences and helping and making sure that you're learning along with them, you know, what works and what doesn't work. And like you said, I love like, you know, when there are the neurodivergent parents, really you can learn from them. Um, And obviously the child's not always going to, you know, the same things aren't always going to work, but you know, maybe they already have strategies that, you know, they know work or don't work from their own childhood or um, own ways they cope with their um, different symptoms as an adult. So yes, having that conversation and really um, trying to understand and empathize and, and support the best way you can is, um, yeah, I think that's a really great, another layer to it. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, a phrasing that I have found to be uh, helpful when I'm running into an issue with a nanny kid that I'm just like, just can't quite get my head around how to communicate with them. I will often go to the parents and say like, 
hey, this is what's happening. Like, do, do you have phrases? Do you have strategies that work? Um, because I would love to be using the same things that work for you. I, uh, was the director of a theater camp, um, for many years in Virginia and, um, in the summers. And we had one kiddo who had like been kicked out of camps, neurodiverse, like just really struggled, um, in a lot of camps and about, Thursday of the first week he was with us, I called home and asked that question. I was like, it's going well, but we are curious, like, are there phrases or ways of handling um, when he gets overwhelmed that you would recommend? And the mom like cried because she was like, I thought that this was going to be the call of like, he can't come back or whatever. And that no one else had asked her that right sure yes and she said like no one's ever asked me this thank you so much um and she did she gave us phrases that absolutely helped or even strategies of like the teacher would be no one was ever sent to me in like a you're in trouble way it was always in a you need more support right now way. Mm-hmm. Um, and that was one of the reasons that I was really proud to be the director is that I was like, I'm not here to punish you. I'm here to get you back into the classroom mm-hmm. in a way that you feel good about. Um, yes. And so, yes, I do think that asking in that way can be so helpful. And then you get your needs met of like, oh yeah. And they might say, I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> They might and say then, I and then you say successful. Okay. And then you say, well, let me know if you have any ideas and I'm going to come up with some ideas. I'll let you know how they work. Or like, yeah. this is some ideas that I had. How do you feel about me trying some of these strategies if they don't know? Um, because sometimes, yeah, parents are probably struggling with some of, some of the same behaviors at home too. Yeah. Um, or what, you know, with, when you're not there as a nanny, um, and, you know, they also might feel at a loss and feel like they should be, you know, that you're, and don't realize that you're struggling with it too. Yep. Um, so yeah, that's, that's a whole conversation about communication, but, um, <laughs> but yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah. Well, awesome. Uh, is there anything else that you were hoping we would touch on? I don't think so. I mean, we went all around the Jeremy Barry of all things. Uh, yes, I finished it. I finished it. Thank yes. you. You recommended good place. Um, so all things neurodivergent nannies. So <laughs> yes, um, wonderful. Well, I actually I did bring a story today, but if you have one too, we can do two. No, go for it. Okay, so um, my little guy, uh, he is four. Um, his teacher called home and told his parents that um, on the playground the other day, uh, they were playing some sort of game. It involved throwing balls, dodgeball adjacent. And uh, it was like almost everyone in the class against one girl is how it ended up being set up. Uh, I'm not quite sure how it got set up that way, but anyway, that's how it was. And so 
this little girl apparently looked sad. So my little guy went over to her and said, do you like this? You look sad. Um, and she goes, I, I am sad. She was like, I don't like being on a team by myself. And he then went back to everyone else and said, we have to redo the teams. And like, so the teacher called home to tell the parents this. And I just, oh, like my heart smiled so, so, so big. Um, Cause that's a lot. Like he did a lot of things there that mm-hmm. I'm so proud of. He so recognize it, ask, yep. figure out what to do and then stand up. Oh my gosh. I was just, I know, I know. That is so beautiful. I just was so stinking proud of him. Um, And I told him a bunch how proud I was of him. Um, I saw a look in your eyes that told me maybe you do have a story to share. Oh, yes. I totally remembered that I have a story (laughs) from just this morning. Um, So, yeah, no. So this morning, Rowan, um, who's also for my son. Um, is up playing his new Mario game. Um, we are all, we are a gaming family. And so he's up playing Mario. Um, and all of a sudden he goes, mommy, this level's really hard, which hmm. we've been struggling, um, a little bit with, you know, getting very frustrated when, you know, he can't beat a level or something like that. Same, um, same Rowan. It's right. Um, so it's been, it's, we've been working on, you know, controlling it. And all I said was, Oh, really? And my little boy, Oh my God. I go, I almost cried rather than throwing a fit as he has every other time. He says that to me, um, goes, yeah, but it's okay. I'm just going to keep practicing. Oh, and he's kept like, like it was just so, I literally, I just went, oh, oh, oh. like I, I couldn't, I just gave him kiss and he's like, what mommy? And I was like, I'm just so proud of you. You keep practicing buddy. But like, just, oh. you know, that literally, you know, it, you know, I almost heard it in his voice when he said, this is hard that he was about to go into that. And he, he just took a quick deep breath. It's okay. I'm going to keep practicing and just you know, it just made my heart melt, you know, one of those moments, you know, same moment you had, but like, oh, we're doing something right. We're doing, you know, it's almost like, you know, he's going to be okay. Yeah. The kids are all right. right. (laughs) Yes. Yes. So, um, yeah, there's my cute little story. Um, Oh, I love it. Um, well, this has been so wonderful. So for listeners, this, uh, this is a Patreon episode. So I also really want to say thank you for being a Patreon, a patron. Yes. A Patreon (laughs) member or a patron. (laughs) I never thought of that. Yes. Right. Yeah. Thank you for being a patron. Um, I sincerely appreciate the support, um, especially this year uh, when I am in internship and finishing grad school, it, it really means the world to me to have to get her through guys. We're We're, going to get her through. Yep. August. I see you. I'm very focused on you. Um, it's the light at the end of the tunnel, but thank you from the bottom of my heart for subscribing. And, um, I hope you enjoyed this episode. Uh, I really enjoyed recording it. 
Um, and please be sure to follow Reagan on um, Playful Acre on Instagram. And you're also on Clubhouse for any yes. nannies out there who are on yes. Clubhouse. And I do have a newsletter too. Um, oh, yeah. Playfulacre.com. You can sign up for my newsletter um, if you're not on Instagram to um, really any big updates or anything big that um, I've got coming up. I will send out on my email newsletter too. Awesome. I got to get signed up for that. I don't know why I'm not. Yeah. That's very silly of me. There's some freebies on there. Woo! Okay. Well, that's my homework for tonight. All right. Thank you so much, Reagan. I really appreciate you taking time to do this. Absolutely. Thank you. It was an absolute pleasure. And thank you all for listening. We'll see you next month with another Patreon episode. Woo-hoo. Bye. Bye. The Chronicles of Nannia is produced and hosted by Martha Tyler. Artwork by Noni Blastodon. Theme music by Brad Kemp. Find him at secondbedroomstudios.com. Follow us on Facebook and Instagram at Chronicles of Nannia and on Twitter at Nannia Podcast. To contact us, email chroniclesofnannia at gmail.com. Thanks for listening. This show has been brought to you by Machine Culture.